Welcome, my name is Tyler Barton, and this is Show Your Work, the podcast where I choose a piece of flash fiction I love and then sit the author down and make them explain it to me. So today we are talking with Megan Phillips, the author of the incredible piece of flash fiction published last year on Whiskey Paper called Angel Peaches Baby Honey Sweetie Pie Sugar. Yes, that's the title. No, you will never write a better one. This is a very short flash. It's about maybe 150 words, and it's kind of a list story. Most most um, sentences start the same way, and uh, she really moves us through a lot of memories, images, and the deep, complicated feels of being kind of a small-town teenager. So, uh, without further ado, this is Megan Phillips talking about her story, Angel Peaches Baby Honey Sweetie Pie Sugar. Um, and my mom was actually really horrified when she read this and she was like, oh, Maggie, you didn't really do that, did you? And I was like, no, it's a story. It's a story, mom. We log into chat rooms with names like Angel Kitten 69 or Sexy Baby 87. We talk to men, real men with houses and jobs. Last year, I wrote out a bunch of writing goals for myself. One of them was to try to read and learn about poetry, especially because I am really drawn to writing flash. So I read some books about how to write poetry and I tried to read more poetry in the lit journals that I read. And then I tried to write some poems. And so the story actually was a poem. It didn't look like this at all, but um, the first line of the poem is the first line of this story. I have the poem. I'm gonna bust it out. I won't actually read it. We are trying to ruin our childhood. This is ha what happens to me a lot, is that I'll get a first line in my head and I get really attached to it. And sometimes it's positive and sometimes it gives me a really strong jumping off point. And then sometimes it can be limiting because I'm really, I become attached to it. And I think like, oh, this is the best first line ever. I have to make a story out of this line. Thankfully, this one ended up working out, but it took a solid six months for it kind of living in my brain. Later in the summer, I took a flash fiction workshop with Kathy Fish, and she frequently gives a prompt to write a breathless paragraph flash where you're sort of spilling out a bunch of words and ideas. And I was really stuck. I looked through my notebook and I saw the, the poem and the first line and I was like, okay, I can riff on this. We watch movies with lots of kissing and take turns practicing on the backs of our hands. We take turns so we can critique technique. Lips not soft enough, not enough moaning, looks too wet. Um, but I'm kind of embarrassed by this because it really did come out in like one, this is very close to the first draft. Um, and sometimes this happens, it feels like the whole thing is in my brain. And I don't know if it's because I initially kind of wrote this poem, and I don't know if it's because I had initially like explored some of the images that show up in this. There's such a relationship, I think, between poetry and flash, uh, because there's a lot more focus, at least I think there's a lot more focus on language. Real flesh and padded chests, jelly sandals, jean shorts, flip-flop up the hill to spend allowances on slushies and red vines, anything that will stain our mouths a vampy red. 
So I'm from a small town in from Linnitz, Pennsylvania, which is a really small kind of like postcardy town. And uh, the house where I grew up and where my parents still live is like two blocks away from a Turkey Hill, which is just, you know, like a convenience store. The first kind of taste of freedom I had as a kid that was, you know, I could go there by myself or I could go there with my friends who lived down the street. This geography of the town where I grew up is like really imprinted in my memory in a way that all these other details of my life are not. When I got a little older, like 13, 14, we did make water balloons full of pudding, like in the movie Now and Then, and put them in bras and walk to Turkey Hill to see if anybody would notice <laughs> um, my friend Sarah and Nicole <laughs> to see like what would happen. Um, and I think really that's the age, at least for me, where those kind of what would happen questions really started to pop up. We stand by the bike rack, nibbling, slurping, and watch the boys from down the street or up the block lock their bikes without looking at us once. We've known these boys all our lives. We never noticed them before unless they farted in class or pushed us on the playground. We would let them push us on the playground now if our school had one. People are not great at communicating anyway, even adult people. Um, and I think kids in those moments do crazy things to kind of manifest the feelings that they don't know how to identify. Actually, I wish this was when I was a kid. This was when I was in graduate school. But like there was a guy in my grad program that I had like the super hots for. We would play that game at bars where you like slap the other person's hands. You like try to pull your hands away. It was really just an excuse to touch each other in a way that people wouldn't be like, oh, you guys are into each other. Because even when you're like 25, you're like, I don't want other people to know that I want to connect with this person. You know, there's still this level of like, you don't want to be super vulnerable. And so I think that line about pushing on the playground, for me, it was never like, oh, push us on the swings. It was, it was push us. But the girls have maybe a better sense of why the pushing is happening. They want this attention and they want this kind of physical connection and that they're like, well, the pushing is the only way we're going to get it. It also just really taps into that there's this darker impulse, especially when you are young. We talk to men. Real men with houses and jobs. Men who could take us away from basements and convenience stores and gym classes. Men who call us angel peaches, baby, honey, sweetie pie, sugar. They talk like they want to eat us. I did also go into internet chat rooms at sleepovers um, at my friend's house. I don't think we had the internet at that time at my house, but my friend Sarah did. And I do remember being, you know, at her house at like 2 a.m. in a chat room, <laughs> um, just making horrible decisions. We are, we are, we are trying, trying to learn, learn how, how to be. Oh, a lot of this came out of the game um, Fuck, Mary Kill, because when I was, again, when I was like 13, 14, and weirdly enough, going to Girl Scout camp, we would stay up all night playing like mash or playing like fuck Mary kill and it was always really absurd though it was like you know fuck Mary kill count chocula captain crunch or the tricks rabbit and you'd be like rationalizing it like of course um captain crunch 
is in the military and he's probably got a government pension so like he's gonna take care of you so marry Captain Crunch um you know it's and I think that really encapsulates like the logic of girls who are on the cusp of adulthood or or are going through puberty there's this like bizarre interest in sex and sexuality in your body um but there's also like an absurdity to it like you don't totally understand what you're talking about or at least i didn't totally understand what was being talked about we watch movies with lots of kissing and take turns practicing on the backs of our hands we never think to kiss each other but like at the same time i remember again being at girl scout camp and one of my friends telling me that she just lost her virginity and i was like i have never even held hands with anybody we help the ones that haven't bloomed yet stuff their bras with tissue toilet paper and walk to the turkey hill you know the girls in different stages of development i remember that being like a dividing line at least among girls that i knew there were like the girls who had huge boobs and were 14 and you know my my boobs haven't grown since i was like 12. for girls especially there are so many outward signs that your body is changing um that you kind of can't hide what's happening even if you wanted to. I had kind of a different experience with it because I uh, wore back brace in middle school. So I was hiding my body for different reasons. I was always wearing really baggy t-shirts um, and jeans that were like four sizes too big because they had to fit over my back brace. So I'd wear like my dad's t-shirts to school and then like hoodies over it. So again, like my body experience was very different, um, but I think still that impulse to like hide how your body is changing or to not know how to talk about the things that are happening to you can definitely be something that starts to separate you from other girls. We don't allow character sleeping bags at sleepovers anymore. We just wrap ourselves in blankets on the floor of a rec room. You learn that people have these inner worlds, I guess, that you thought you knew about, but you really don't. And now we're going to hear Megan read the entire story, which you can find at whiskeypaper.com. Angel peaches, baby honey, sweetie pie sugar. We are trying to ruin our childhood. We help the ones that haven't bloomed yet stuff their bras with tissue, toilet paper, and walk to the turkey hill. Real flesh and padded chests, jelly sandals, jean shorts, flip-flop up the hill to spend allowances on slushies and red vines, anything that will stain our mouths a vampy red. We stand by the bike rack, nibbling, slurping, and watch the boys from down the street or up the block lock their bikes without looking at us once. We've known these boys all our lives. We never noticed them before unless they farted in class or pushed us on the playground. We would let them push us on the playground now, if our school had one. We are trying to learn how to please. We don't allow character sleeping bags at sleepovers anymore. We just wrap ourselves in blankets on the floor of a rec room. We watch movies with lots of kissing and take turns practicing on the backs of our hands. We take turns so we can critique technique. Lips not soft enough, not enough moaning, looks too wet. We never think to kiss each other. We log into chat rooms with names like Angel Kitten 69 or Sexy Baby 87. We talk to men. Real men with houses and jobs. Men who could take us away from basements and convenience stores and gym classes. 
men who call us angel peaches, baby honey, sweetie pie, sugar. They talk like they want to eat us. They ask us, what will you do? And we say anything, anything. That's all for today's episode of Show Your Work. I've been Tyler Barton. You've been listening to Megan Phillips talk about her story, which was published in Whiskey Paper. Go look it up and read it. Read some other stuff there, too. Thanks. <laughs>